Welcome to another episode of Grad Chat from PhD Balance, where we talk about topics of grad school beyond academic research and that may be more difficult to talk about in our day to day. I'm your host, Faye Lin, and I am a PhD candidate in biochemistry at UCLA. If you like what you see here, check out the PhD Balance YouTube channel for more grad chats. And don't forget to subscribe for notifications about when we go live. So our topic today is qualities of a great mentor, and I am excited to welcome our guest, Dr. Daryl Boyd, aka Dr. Boyd the Chemist. Daryl is a research chemist at the U.S. Naval Research Lab in Washington, D.C. He's also the co-founder of Science Made Simple LLC, which is a STEM outreach company that he started with his wife. Daryl also runs a STEM-focused YouTube channel that is meant to give simple explanations for fun, hands-on science experiments. So welcome, Daryl. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks so much for having me. I feel so honored to be a part of this platform. I am so excited to talk to you because you mentioned that you wanted to talk about qualities of a great mentor, which like I mentioned before we went on air, I think, I don't know if we've had a grad chat yet about mentorship, yet it's such a crucial part to grad school, to science as a whole. And I guess to start off, why are you interested in speaking about qualities of a great mentor with us today? Yeah, I, I think, as you mentioned, mentorship is huge. It is, it is really the means by which we get to that PhD uh, when you're talking about graduate school. And also it can help shape you. And a great mentor will, will, will really shape you or a bad mentor can really have a, a negative impact on you. I personally want to talk about this topic, though, because I think sometimes on, on social media, we only get the bad stories. Um, and I wanted to let people know that there are good stories, too. I have been fortunate to have had several really great mentors throughout my educational process. And so I wanted the opportunity to talk about what qualities they possessed that worked for me. And hopefully that will help uh, some students out there choose mentors and and learn from the mentors that they have. I love that. I think I love how you mentioned that sometimes when we talk about academia, it can be a lot of a mix of like the good and the bad. And it's important to be aware of what could be a bad mentor, but also put point out that there are some great mentors out there and that there is a diversity of experiences and you have the power to sift through that and shape what it is that you're looking for. So you mentioned that you had some great mentors, which is awesome. What were some of the qualities that made them good mentors for you? Well, I should say all the mentors are different and they, and I think one challenge for the mentee, that's me in this instance, is to try to draw from each mentor that I've had the positive qualities that they projected toward me and try to incorporate those things, at least the one, the aspects that work for me uh, and try to use that when I have the opportunity to mentor others, which I, I do do some mentorship as well. Um, also want to mention, yeah, social media can be like, I think of Yelp and there's reviews. If you go to a restaurant, if you have a terrible experience at the restaurant, 
a lot of people will get online and and write the review about it being terrible. But if you have a not terrible experience, it's kind of expected that you that the restaurant's supposed to do what they did. So no one's like clamoring to go write that really great. Oh, you know, they served me on time. They they were kind to me because that's kind of expected. And I think sometimes social media can be like that. It becomes a bit of a cesspool of negativity sometimes. And understandably, because people, when they have bad experiences, it's important to, to point out how those things can be improved. But um, also there are some great mentors out there. Now, I'm, actually today is the 10 year anniversary of me walking across the stage with my PhD. Um, and I say that, yeah, no, I can't believe it's been that long, but I'm, I've been out of grad school long enough to know a number of professors who are mentors and I know them well enough to know that they, they try, they really do try and I believe are doing a fine job, but you're not necessarily hearing, uh, like, a, a threads being, you're not seeing threads being written about how great they are. You don't see that enough is, is my point there, but I think one of the great qualities that any mentor can have, and I think this is really something I mentioned on the Instagram takeover yesterday, was that a great mentor is more concerned about fostering the growth of their mentees than they are their own personal ambitions and goals, right? And uh, there are professors who who are mentoring because... Uh, is part of their job and they see it as a, a means to an end which gets them more papers and more grants and more clout and that is problematic but a great mentor they're fine they're like if i do well in terms of my my publications and grants great but i really want these students that i have i want them to grow i want them to to carry on uh, doing the things that they are best at. I want to draw the best out of them. And that's what a great mentor will do. And I think the mentors I've had, they definitely got, they, they, they got the best out of me at, at, diff at least at different points. And I, I appreciate them for that. Awesome. I, I love what you mentioned there about sound like motivations of a mentor to really champion their mentees right? And I think it, we, and we've talked about this in some of our previous grad chats about the incentive structures of academia, where it's really focusing on research output and maybe working, working super long hours to get that research out there, but not as much about championing your mentees. And, and there's not as much rewards for that. And I think that kind of feeds into some of these issues that we see in mentorship and why there are sometimes it's sometimes difficult to find a good mentor right so yes so i i think that is such a great definition when people are keeping in mind looking for a mentor is like is this person willing to help me with my goals not just use me to to push forward their goals right yeah ultimately if 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 you're a mentor and your mentees your students do well, that's a credit to you. It's a, that, that's one of the things that always stuns me when, when mentors are more self-focused. I'm like, they're not stealing the limelight from you. Their success reflects well on the mentor. A mentee's success reflects well on a mentor. So um, great mentors aren't necessarily trying to do their best so they can have great you know, uh, respect in the community or, or have some kind of clout oh, they're such a great mentor, but 
that will be a positive byproduct of it. Once you recognize my mentee's success is reflecting upon me and how I've guided them and perhaps things I've imparted to them. I think that that's one way to look at it from the mentor side of it. I should be more concerned about the success, the growth, and, and, and how I can benefit my mentees. And you know what? When I do that well, I'll know it and other people will see it. And ultimately, it's a credit to the, to the mentor themselves. So I, 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 it is interesting that sometimes mentors are so self-focused. Um, but again, my mentors, I, they, were, they have been so selfless so selfless. And I, I'll just name a couple of them if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, go for it. My, my, I, in undergrad, even in undergrad, I had two, two research, uh, undergrad research opportunities. And I worked with one professor. She was in, in the engineering department. Now my background is chemistry, but I knew I needed some kind of research experience. So she was in environmental engineering. Her name was Linda Abriola. And she was uh, so encouraging it really, it actually caught me off guard because I think I had gotten used to um, just being hammered away at. And as a student, sometimes, especially in grad school, you're just a workaholic and you just feel almost like you're in servitude to the lab and to, and to trying to get a publication and to grading papers. Um, but Linda Abriola was not like that at all. She was very like, she, she allowed me to explain to her what I thought, and this is as an undergrad, explain what I thought my research project should do. I, I, she had a sense of my skill set and she guided me in that way. And it was kind of gentle. I could tell gent she gently guided me because I was an undergrad. I wasn't one of her graduate students, but I can tell you her graduate students respected and revered her because of the way she led very much so. Um, also, I had another advisor, Vincent Pecorero. He was in the chemistry department and I worked for him for a couple of years. And my gosh, First off, I, I wanted to work for him because I took his class and I was floored with his level of knowledge and understanding. But he also, uh, I would say, was stern when needed to be stern because sometimes his graduate students weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And he had asked and asked over the course of months. I, I worked in his lab long enough to see <laughs> a couple of his students. They, they weren't on task. And he was never mean or rude, but he was very clear. And I think that's important too. So a mentor doesn't necessarily... Uh, reward you or pat you on the back if you aren't really accomplishing your goals. They're trying to urge you to get the best out of you so you can get the best out of your own self. And I thought that Vince did that very, very well. And But moving on to grad school, I, I was mentioning before we got on, I, I have a master's degree in, in biochemistry. And I worked in the lab with a lady, her name was Christine Hersena. She's now the department head at Purdue University in the chemistry department. And uh, she, again, very clear. She was not tenured when I joined her lab. And as you know, that can be difficult uh, on the on the professor seeking tenure and their students, right? So you could be worked to the bone. She didn't do that. She actually guided very well. But the thing that I, I got the most out of her, I ended up leaving her lab because I really wasn't, I wasn't myself doing very well with the some of the fundamental concepts of biology. I could do the protein purification and the site-directed immunogenesis and I could run gels and I could do the PCR. I could do all of that, but I didn't have some of the other underlying fundamentals. And one of the things I appreciated about her was her honesty with me about that. Now she did it gently and kindly and respectfully. And again, I think that's one of the things you can be saying something and saying it in a way that turns a student off 
uh, denigrates them, harms them, and does a lot of damage. She didn't do that to me. She was just clear, Daryl, this is what, uh, what I need out of my students. This is where you're at. And I don't think um, you, you have this. She told me, I remember the language she used, she said, you have a, a level of understanding about certain things in biology that are really great, but you've built this lattice upon a foundation that you just, you don't have a very strong foundation. You really need to get that foundation. It would probably take too long to do that in, in the lab, in her lab. So I ended up leaving her lab, but I appreciated her honesty there. And um, before I talk your ear off, uh, <laughs> I want to make this other point. It's important for those being mentored to be honest with themselves. That is an important aspect of it. So I did not like uh, those conversations with Professor Hersena, but I, I knew then she was right. And in retrospect, not only do I know that she was right about it, I appreciate that she was bold enough to be honest with me and at the same time was wise enough to present it respectfully. And, and I think as the mentee, it's important for me to recognize, you know what, she may be right. Now that's not to say I was incapable. I promise you if I wanted to go get a, a PhD in biochemistry today, I'm confident I could do that. But, and I could have done it then, but it would have been a harder road. And, and she made that, she, the discussion we had brought that out and, and I had to be honest with myself that it was time to move on. So I'll, I, I'll save the discussion on my PhD and postdoc advisor for a little bit later because I've talked a lot here. <laughs> no, that was all great points. I think I, I especially like how you brought up that being in a mentor-mentee relationship isn't always, a healthy one isn't always the, I don't know, there's some uncomfort, there's some difficult conversations and the, a good mentor is able to balance those and deliver them in a way that you, you mentioned in a respectful way. And, yes. and oftentimes I think a lot of these stories come from there needs to be these conversations about maybe things of improvement or things of feedback. And, and sometimes those it's those communication skills that end up just being not a productive conversation. So I think communication and respectful communication is a key skill like you mentioned right so yeah. approach the the approach matters a lot and uh, a lot of professors will get it wrong a lot of mentors will get it wrong early on and one of the things i as the older i've gotten the more the less judgmental i've gotten um and i, I understand things can be difficult so sometimes as a as a assistant professor early on, they don't know, they're, they're trying really to succeed and they don't realize the kind of, uh, the, the way they're approaching their students may be more damaging than good. And uh, uh, as they grow, we hope that they learn that and that they improve upon it. And I know I've seen that in some professors where they have started out one way, but within a few years, they realize, okay, I'm not being a benefit, I'm being a detriment. So how can I improve upon that? Yeah, it's it's a learning process. And I think it also speaks to this idea of being a mentor is helping you know, your mentees reach their goals. And by doing that, you also have to do some work in if it's communication, working on your communication or learning about what your mentee needs. There is there has to be some work done where you have to think about how to champion your mentees goals and not just go on doing, you know, if it's 
if it's not working on your communication skills, because it's just like what mentorship isn't as important to you. I, it, it speaks to mentorship as being work and being something to actively develop for the support of others and championing others. And Absolutely. so we have, let's see, some of these other questions here says, what is different about mentorship today than in years past? Okay, th that's a good segue for me to talk about my, my PhD advisor. So I, I, this is a good era in terms of awareness of <laughs> past failings and how we can improve them. I think this is a good time because in, I, I suspect 15, 20 years ago, there weren't conversations like the ones we're having today where people can actually hash out flaws that they saw or, or, or positive aspects of, of a mentor that, they, that they've experienced. So my PhD advisor's name was Tong Ren, and uh, he's, he's also at Purdue University, still there, full professor. I, I joined his lab after leaving Professor Hersena's lab, and he came from a lab of a very famous inorganic chemist, uh, Albert Cotton. If you've ever taken group theory, uh, the textbook that most people use is F. Albert Cotton's book, one of the most famous uh, inorganic chemists. Well, I remember Tong Ren sat us down, me and my, our, the group, we were in a discussion. Instead of having like a group meeting over a scientific topic, he wanted to just talk about expectations of the lab. And I was actually quite impressed. He said that when he was in graduate school, he worked for Albert Cotton and Albert Cotton is well known even to this day for being not necessarily the nicest of uh, <laughs> professors. And, and in fact, he ran for ACS president in, the, in the, I think the 1980s. And in running for the ACS presidency, he actually berated uh, one of the competitors for the, for the spot, which didn't go over well either. So he, his reputation was as a phenomenal scientist, but not as the nicest scientist. So Apparently, when ta my advisor was working in his lab, he said that they had to work, it was some unreal number, like 60 to 80 hours a week in the lab, and he expected you to be in the lab all the time. Now, that's crazy. Today, we look at that as being crazy. At that time, that was an expectation for a lot of Uh, of, of graduate students. That really was just par for the course. If you're going to be, especially if you're going to be in the lab of somebody as famous as that, you're going to be in the lab all day, all night, Saturdays and Sundays. You're not having a life for yourself. And uh, so that was the culture he grew up in. But instead of carrying that culture on, he sat down and told us, he said, I don't expect you all to work like that. I didn't think that that was right for him to have us working that way. And um, so here's what I expect for you to do. And basically he was saying, here are the work hours. And they were just, you know, typical like nine to five kind of hours. I want everybody in the lab by this time. If you have class, go take your class. If you have to teach, teach. Um, but when you're in the lab, work diligently and, and actually be productive while you're there. I'm not asking you to be here on Saturday, not asking you here to be on Sunday, not asking you to come in at midnight, just while you're here, make sure you're, you're diligently working. And that was the standard uh, to work for him. Now he was, he was a stickler about that, but to me, that made a lot of sense. And what was interesting was that that was born of his negative experience. So again, this is going back to the, the looking inwardly part of it. A, a lot of people can tell you negative stories about mentorship, uh, negative mentorship that they experienced. So the question becomes, as the mentee who was experienced the negativity, 
how can I be different than that? Or how can I use that negativity to turn it around if I have the opportunity to be a mentor later on? And I saw my advisor do that. He, he was explicit and he was clear. The way we were treated when I was in graduate school wasn't right. Here's what I'm expecting of you. You don't have to do it that way. It's not necessary to get the best out of your students. And so I think mentorship today is different because we're aware that you don't have to be uh, I don't want to use that term. You don't have to be cracking a whip on your students all day, every day uh, to get the best out of your students. And in fact, you may not be getting the best out of them by doing that. And so I do think it's different today. This is a good era for the changes that we're seeing. There's definitely room for improvement. There are still some mentors out there who have issues <laughs> and professors who are self-focused and not concerned about the well-being of their students in the way that they should be. But I do think the culture today is trending towards a direction that is more humane and concerned about the person. And let me say this, your obligation, I'm, I, I hope anyone watching this gets this point, your obligation really is to yourself and, and to improving yourself. It is not to the institution that you're at. It is not to the program. It is not to your professor. They can hang the carrot of, of you getting your PhD in front of you all day. If you feel in any way disrespected or you feel like you're being taken for granted, it is well within your rights to make that known to your mentor and if necessary, move on to another person's lab or perhaps leave a program for your own mental sanity. You should be concerned about your mental health and your well-being principally, even if your mentor or your advisor is not. That is, and, and that is something I would, I would challenge everyone. You be concerned about yourself because you are the one who's gonna have to live your life and experience everything that you're experiencing. So if you can take care of yourself first, make sure you're okay, then I think you're on good footing. Yeah, you said so many great things in there. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, that, that last point you just said where I think it also speaks to culture changes and, and this theme of like how has mentorship changed over time where I, I do feel that nowadays, I mean, I can speak for my... I guess, engagement in academic Twitter and how many of these more open and vulnerable stories are coming up about uh, maybe poor mentors or also this conversation about mental health awareness and ending the stigma. Yes. There is a really, really awesome trend toward having more open discussions and prioritizing yeah. things like, like mentorship and wellness. I think there's still a lot to go, <laughs> but it is great to see these conversations happening and the fact that we can have this chat and hopefully people will, will get the message that like, if you feel not respected in your environment or you feel that it, yeah, if, if, if you feel that you're not being treated right, that's not okay. You know, it doesn't matter. There are cultures that say you should be worked to death or like that, that, you know, it's normalized. Everyone gets disrupted having a space to say that is absolutely not okay. And that's what needs to change, I think is an indication of like more open dialogue and, and moving toward a positive place. Again, there's more much work to do. I think there uh, on the flip side, there are also, I hear stories of mentors who have had these bad experiences and then say things like, 
well, I went through this. So now everyone I work with has to go through this. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Daryl, about people on the flip side kind of mentoring in that fashion? Yeah, I think that's a a poor response to negative experiences. So uh, if you have been mistreated, that's no reason to mistreat others. If you, uh, if you went through something, I guess it, it troubles me that that to me, again, is centering the mentor rather than centering the mentee. If you're truly concerned about your mentees, you wouldn't want them to have to go through some of the things you went through if those things were negative, right? Now, again, this is on both sides of the coin. The mentees have to recognize sometimes things will be difficult. And that, that's, I think that's the, the threat is sometimes, I, I can't just have everything be smooth and easy for me. Sometimes I will make mistakes. I'm speaking as if I'm a mentee. Sometimes I'll make mistakes that need to be corrected. So if I'm corrected by my mentor, that is not necessarily a negative experience. Now, how am I receiving that? That, that is something that I have to assess and evaluate for myself. But as the mentor to, to cavalierly say, well, I went through that uh, so, so you can deal with it. That, that ignores lots of things. For one, that ignores individuals because you, you can be a mentor with a lab full of 10 people and all 10 of those are gonna experience the same event differently. And so as the mentor, I should not just uh, blanketly think all 10 of them should be able to deal with it because I dealt with it. No, some, maybe nine out of 10 can just deal with it. But there's that 10th one who maybe needs a different approach. And so, again, this goes back to the mentor being more concerned about the well-being of their students of the, or the people that they're mentoring than they are about their own ambitions. And as you point out, though, I do think these things are getting better. I don't know. I don't think these conversations were happening in the 90s, for example. I would say maybe in the last 10 years, I've seen a lot more discussion in this vein where mental health, as you point out, is important, uh, where you can actually take vacation days. Because even when I was in grad school, now I started grad school in 2004 and finished in 2010. Even when I was in grad school, it was a bit questionable, like you were fearful almost to ask to take a day off, right? And that was just the last decade. So um, now I think mentors are coming around like, no, you need it someday. Sometimes you need a mental break take two days off. Don't, don't worry about it. Take Thursday and Friday and have your weekend and come back Monday and then we'll, we'll discuss where we're at. And I think mentors are becoming more amenable to that. And I think that's the correct direction to be in. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think what's also notable now is like you mentioned, you know, giving people the confidence if they don't like their current environment, you know, there are other people who are having these conversations or more attuned to mentorship and, you can feel that there are these people who are thinking about these things a lot more than maybe, you know, years ago where these conversations weren't happening. So I, again, I definitely think there's more work to be done and there are mentors who still aren't that great, but I think what has been really great to see at least, uh, I love academic Twitter, (laughs) but on academic Twitter, just, how much people, so many people do champion these ideas and that we are getting them out there and that people may feel more comfortable to stand up and say, you know, I, I'm not going to work hard because of this toxic culture. I'm, I'm going to switch my environment because this isn't right for me. And I just think having a space to share these stories is great. These grad, I love these grad chats. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> and we have 
some of these questions here, which says, what is the difference between a mentor and an advocate? Can a mentor also be an advocate or must they be separate people? Okay. So I have my, my perspective on, on this. And so I'll outline what I think of a, an advocate versus a mentor. <clears throat> a mentor is really trying to foster your growth. A mentor is trying to, uh, uh, at least a good one, is trying to get the best out of you so that you can be successful down the road, independent, independent of them. An advocate differs in that an advocate doesn't necessarily foster your growth, but they're aware of your skills, your ability, your character, and can vouch for you when necessary. And that's important in science because we have grants we have to apply for. There are awards out there that you apply for. There are job positions that you won't otherwise know about or, or you need someone to vouch for you. Uh, so you need an advocate. Now, an advocate also is somebody who, when it, something comes across their desk, so there may be a position open at a particular institution and they're thinking about you. They're like, you know what? I think Faye would be great for this role here. Let me at least make her aware of it, right? So that's the way uh, an advocate works. And they might not write your primary recommendation letter, for example, but they are absolutely glad to write a seconding letter, right? Your primary one probably should come from somebody that you work for. Um, in, in most instances, I would say, if you were like up for an award, for example. Um, but the advocate is like, oh yeah, I know Faye, I'd be glad to write a, a glowing seconding letter. You will be walking on water by the time people get through reading this letter, right? That's, that would be an advocate. And they work in concert, but they're different. The advocate is not necessarily um, holding your hand through the process, but they're willing to support you when they, whenever you're up for recognitions or, or, or career opportunities. Very cool. Yeah, and it, it got me also thinking about you, this point you brought up about mentors ha being also people who might engage more with those difficult conversations or yes. giving you feedback. Is that another distinction, I guess, you would put between mentor advocate? I, I would, but you may reach out to an advocate um, aside from your mentor for a different perspective. Right. So the mentor is telling you that they are the one who is who is guiding you. And so you might want a second opinion on it. So you might be able to reach out to the advocate for that and they can give you their opinion on it. So, again, this is not somebody who is, I guess, the hands on uh, person in your in your career on a consistent basis. But they are there who could be a sounding board at times and they can be a representative on your behalf at times. And so, yeah, that, and it's important to have them both. I, I certainly do. And I, networking, that's a whole other grad chat conversation I'm sure you all could have, but it, it is critically important in the, in the sciences. And I've been fortunate enough to build a network of folks. So I know if I'm, if, if I'm interested in a particular award, I'll shoot them a message like, um, do you think you'd be able to write a secondary letter? And I already know ahead of time because the relationship that we have, they, they'd be willing to do that. But at the same time, I know that they're not the one who probably should be writing the primary letter because they're not knowing everything that I'm doing on a consistent basis, like the mentor or the advisor or supervisor would. Right, yeah. And you brought up this great idea of a support network of, yes. of professional networking and how different people can fill different roles in that support, whether it be you know, the distinction between mentor, advocate, or, or 
maybe how it could be like friends and family or all, all kinds of different roles can contribute different types of support in recognizing how to make a support network, I think is in, super important in grad school and, you know, in, in life going forward. Right. And, and a mentor should be helping you network. Let me just say that very clearly. A mentor should be one, one of the people who introduces you to their network. So they, they're connected to certain people through grad school or through conferences or however, through the department that they're in. A, a great mentor is introducing you to the people that they're connected with. So when you go to a conference without your mentor, those people that they are connected to recognize you like, oh, okay. Oh yeah. I remember you, you work for you're like, okay, yeah, hi, I'm now a professor at such and such institution, or I'm now uh, uh, an employee at this company. And they know you now because your mentor introduced. So your network, your network, your mentor should be helping you to build your network. A really good mentor will do that. I love that. I think it, it's also, yeah, exactly. Professional networking. And I think a mentor, especially in a professional space, should help navigate certain skills such as networking and bringing you into their network and championing you in that way yes. because yeah networking networking is so crucial professionally cool yeah yeah ah uh, so we are we're running out of time for this grad chat but daryl if there's anything that you want to bring up that we haven't talked about yet or that you just want to leave with the audience today is there anything that comes to mind as uh last thoughts yeah i didn't mention my postdoc advisor uh, her name was Frances ligler she is now uh I, I did my postdoc at the naval research lab which is where i'm employed still um and she's now at north carolina state and unc chapel hill as a distinguished professor working for her helped me out a lot because her mode of mentorship was one she definitely introduced me to uh her network she also was very frank and clear with me about what she could provide with uh for me in terms of job opportunities right out the gate. She was like, I'm connected in these types of companies and these types of fields. And this is where I definitely can help you. Um, but the other thing is her sense of humility was so tremendous to me. And what I mean is she, if, if one of her students or, or mentees had a disagreement, disagreement with her, she's willing to listen to the disagreement. And then if she concludes like, oh, you know what, you're right. She has no problem doing that. And I think uh, some professors have that chip on their shoulder, like there's no way my mentee can be, be right and I'm wrong. Also, if she didn't know, any, know enough about a particular topic, she was humble enough to tell you, though, I don't know. But then she did what I consider the most beautiful extra step. She said, but here are the people who should. And so go talk to this person and this person and this person. And when you talk to them, take notes come back, we'll have a discussion about how we should proceed. We'll discuss based on what they told you. And I thought that was so incredible. So a sense of humility from mentors is important. A sense of responsibility from the mentee. Um, it, it, sometimes your bad experiences may be because of, of you misinterpreting how they're approaching you or why they're doing what they're doing, or because you're just maybe, uh, honestly, sometimes we're unwilling to accept that maybe we just haven't done things the right way or, or done our best on something when that may be the case. So it is, there's a give and take, but I do wanna encourage everyone that one, you should feel respected, you should be respected. And if that means taking a break from graduate school, for example, take the break and, and regroup yourself. If that means moving to another lab, do so, try to find a way to do that and try to do it amicably 
um, because the communities are small and they can't have an impact on your on your future prospects. The how you navigate where you go afterward. So, so much more to say, but <laughs> this has been great, and I hope it's been helpful. And I should I should mention uh, I I do have a blog on my on my on my website, drboythechemist.com. I don't post there as much as I, as I, I start so many blogs and I just end up not posting them, but I, I do intend to write a thread about some of my positive experiences, write a, write a post about my positive experiences with mentors. So be on the lookout for that. I'll be posting that to my website probably by the end of January is the plan. So. Awesome. You said so many great things, huh? <laughs> and I just want to echo that. I think all of Daryl's social media connections should be in the description. So definitely check out Daryl's stuff on social media. Check out his YouTube channel. Subscribe because he's awesome and has so many awesome perspectives, especially during our discussion about mentorship today. So this has been so fun. Thanks so much for being with us today, Daryl. And if this was the first time you're tuning in, this has been Grad Chat from PhD Balance, where we talk about topics of grad school or academia, really outside of the academic research. If you liked what you saw, subscribe to the PhD Balance YouTube channel to get notifications about when we go live, which is usually Saturdays, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. So until next time, we'll... See you all later. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Bye, everyone.